and welcome back to Console Chronicles. We're your hosts, Stuart and Cormac. This week, join us as we bring you the latest gaming news before setting our scopes on Battle Royales. And we'll walk you through the development of this popular genre while giving you a little bit of insight into our thoughts. That's right. We'll round out the show with some bargains of the week and a much lighter topic of who's better in gaming characters. First of all, check out my mic. What do you think? Pretty nice, isn't it? I know, I know. I Funny enough, I picked it up in a Prime Day sale. We got a little bit of feedback. Who knew mic in your laptop? Not great. Who would have thunk? You, who would have known? But with that in mind, for the keen listeners amongst you, you will have noticed this is not the week of the 24th as previously mentioned on last week's podcast, because honestly, we really enjoyed recording. We really enjoyed the feedback. We really had a lot of fun with it and found ourselves this week thinking, why are we not recording? So we've jumped back in. We're recording an episode sooner than we expected. With that in mind, give us some time to find our feet in terms of scheduling, but we will keep you up to date when the new episodes are coming. We may have episodes early, but we won't have them late. That much we can promise. Let's kick things off with a little bit of news. Right. So first up, we got some news this week coming from EA. Probably one of the more surprising, I want to say. I didn't see this coming anyway. But um, Cliffhanger Games, which is a new AAA development studio based in Seattle, is working on an original story, third person, single player Black Panther game in collaboration with Marvel Games, which on the superhero genre, Black Panther sounds awesome. So this is being led by a man named Kevin Stevens. He comes from Monolith Productions. They are the guys that did Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. And they've already bought together a quite accomplished talent team with leaders coming from Halo Infinite, God of War, Call of Duty and many others. Cliffhanger said during the announcement, we're dedicated to be delivering fans a definitive and authentic Black Panther experience, giving them more agency and control over their narrative than they have ever experienced in a story-driven video game. Wakanda is such a rich superhero sandbox and our mission is to develop an epic world for players who love Black Panther and want to explore the world of Wakanda as much as we do. Sounds exciting, no? It does. It does. It'd be nice to see not, I know it is technically a city at the same time, but so many of these superhero stories and all are based around kind of almost generic metropolis cities with high rises, all that kind of things. I hope that with it being in Wakanda, they can take a different spin on it. It doesn't have to be a follow the standard, what buildings look like, what a city supposed to look like. It doesn't have to follow the status quo. They can kind of go outside the box. And I hope it's just not another capitalization of a big name title with a substandard game. I really do hope that they make something different. Yeah. And I I think you got a nice mix of talent. Like there's people coming from obviously like Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. Big games that I feel did it right with Lord of the Rings and capturing like the story. Gameplay was fun and obviously God of War doesn't need much of an introduction. It kind of speaks for itself. And then to have like Halo Infinite and Call of Duty devs there too. These are all people who have experience working with 
big AAA development teams. They're used to the pressure and they're used to kind of, you know, executing at a very high level. So I'm super excited and hopefully it doesn't turn into kind of what the Avengers was when that came out and it can focus and be closer to what maybe Guardians of the Galaxy was and hopefully what Wolverine will be as as the year goes on. Yeah, yeah. Just don't don't rehash a game just because it has a new title. That's all I hope for is just don't take another really good intellectual property and put it in a game just for the sake of it. Make something make something worthwhile. 100%. 100%. Moving on. So this one is this one's for you Cormac. I know how much you love the FIFA series. EA Sports FC has been announced. It is going to be like the new FIFA. I watched the announcement event and honestly there's not too not too much there that really excited me. It was you know, about 40 minutes of just build up to see a a one minute trailer and, you know, yourself, it's going to be a copy and paste from what FIFA 23 was. But as EA move away from their association with FIFA, it's kind of opens the doors to a little bit more creativity and hopefully we'll be able to see that in the new game. Yeah, I don't know that it's going to be a huge amount different and I'm not the biggest FIFA or whatever game fan you want to call it because I always fall out with the new game every year. And then releasing next year's game, you know, FIFA 23 or 22, whatever it was, before you've even reached that year, feels like it's just a money racket to get in before Christmas. So I have a little personal gripe with those kind of games. And it's not just EA, to be fair. It's a a lot of developers that kind of crank out new games just for the sake of it. When I feel if you don't have new content or something big to bring out, hold it back and release something that's worth having for a couple of years rather than something that you know well, look, we're going to have to do it again in a year anyway, so just send it out there. I'm going to leave them alone before I give out too much. Just to defend, they call it the following year because it's covering the content of the following year, not the year it was released in. So, because seasons, right? Seasons with sports. Seasons like winter and summer, is it? I wouldn't be the biggest sports fan. <laughs> EA winter 23. <laughs> EA spring 24. Oh, wow. We just gave EA an idea on how to just milk consumers. Now they're going to release four games a year. <laughs> This one features snow. Do DLC. DLC. You can buy rain. You can have Santa Claus flying through the sky. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Call of Duty Season 4 Reloaded dropped on July 12th. So it is available right now. It comes with a new multiplayer map as well as the finale to the raid missions which is quite exciting and there's a new shotgun there in terms of weapons also there is a shit ton of paid content i was so surprised when i had a look at the poster that released showing you what's to come because literally three quarters of it is paid content there's and i know it's not a brand new season it's a it's a mid-season update but like come on surely you can do more than bring you know 50 60 70 percent of the page of just new bundles that are coming to the store but one of those new bundles one of arguably one of the the biggest things to happen to call of duty recently is that the boys are landing into el Mazra with homelander starlight and black noir bundles releasing with the new season these bundles are going to cost approximately 20 euro 27 canadian 
or 20 US or about 17 pounds for our international listeners. So yeah, the mid-season update slightly shifted the game's meta by nerfing the ISO 45 SMG and the Vaznev 9K SMG as well. And it altered every weapon's damage profiles. So it's unclear at the moment what exactly is different with the damage profiles, but Infinity Ward explained, and I quote, some weapons will be able to kill faster when fired more accurately and slower when not. That's That's the stupidest statement I've ever heard. (laughs) Shoot people, kill people, miss people, don't kill people. That is absolutely ridiculous. What a stupid statement. It's it's like, I don't even know what they're trying for here. <laughs> if you like... don't hit them, you won't kill them. That's the whole idea of the game. <laughs> hey, for newcomers, you know, we've talked previously about how, you know, Call of Duty is being shaped for the casual and newcomers and stuff like that. Maybe this is an opportunity where Infinity Ward gets to say, hey, the new players, you have to hit people to kill them. I want to aim less and kill more. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to kill people by aiming for like their hands or their legs because why that's okay that's an unnecessary statement but fair (laughs) enough So this update comes just before the World Series of Warzone Stage 2 North American and EU qualifiers begin, which is on July 17th. So that's actually today. And competitors who had hoped to hop on and, you know, get acclimatized to the new weapon changes and the new gameplay. Unfortunately for them, they've had to wait an awful long time because when the update dropped, it actually made Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2 unplayable. PC due to stuttering and FPS issues. Some players were forced to play at 10 FPS after the new update and this was released on Wednesday. This wasn't fixed until Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Isn't it pretty poor from Infinity Ward? Just think on a mid-season for update the week before qualifiers fuck it up this badly yeah i think it comes into poor planning and we've seen this before in other games and i do not come with examples in hand so put me in, put me in the the ball corner for that one but to release a major update in the middle of a tournament or in the middle of qualifiers or whatever it is it's like there's two completely separate departments in the business and they don't talk to each other it's like the the, the pro gaming section or the uh, competitive side of things don't speak to those that are creating new content they're just not on the same wavelength they're not on the same communication level to plan these things ahead but i think there's going to be the the commercial aspect to it of we need more content we need more revenue streams we need to get player numbers back up and then that's trying to be balanced with yes but we have something really important that the game needs to be stable for and there's not been that kind of test or proper trialing of an update before it's come out so it is kind of poor planning but it's just going it's just business at the end of the day Mm -hmm. And it's it's easy to forget that, you know, as much as these games are out there to, to have fun, they are there to make money as well. And if their player list is dropping off, they need to put something out there to try and get people back in the game. And to be fair, it's not a bad marketing strategy to get people back in the game prior to a major tournament. You know, if you pick the game up and you see an advertisement, oh, the, the World Series is coming on soon. I haven't played the game in ages. I wouldn't mind seeing that. So it could be a, a marketing strategy either. This is, yeah, this is true. Some people are going to want to see, is mine broken? Is not. It's news at the end of the day. It's putting their name out there and it's getting more people in. So 
might not be the worst. This is thing. fair. This is fair. And I want to, I want to take a moment to just shout out an old memory of ours when we were playing Warzone One. Remember on the server, I had such bad stuttering and it ran at like no more than twenty FPS. And it was so much less than that. It was so it was impossible. It was on what was the name of the island one for rebirth? And the frame rates were so bad that only nine people actually dropped. And it was like. It was, it was basically a game of hide and seek that like we were trying to follow people <laughs> to try and find them. We did win in the end, but we did. We did. it was a bad time. You got like two seconds of moving, five seconds of not moving. And we didn't give up. We were determined. We wanted to try and get the numbers up there, but that was a bad time. That was rough. That was rough. But hopefully listeners are enjoying the new update now that all the issues have been resolved. With a bit of luck. With a bit of luck. Moving on to some Sony news. Guerrilla Games, the developer of the Horizon series, have stated that Horizon is, and I quote, going to continue for a very long while, as apparently they have plans for 16 future developments within the Horizon franchise beyond the multiplayer game, which was confirmed in December. It has been confirmed that there's going to be a Horizon 3 game, and that's going to feature Aloy as the main protagonist again. And there is the Horizon multiplayer game, which is being quoted by Guerrilla as a massive shift for the studio, almost on the same level as doing the first Horizon. So for any fans who love the Horizon series, keep your ears and eyes peeled over the next few months. We'll bring you all the latest news as soon as we hear it, but that's great to hear that Guerrilla Games are committing to give us much more time in the beautiful world of Horizon. Okay, in other Sony news, this one's a fun one. And this one kind of brings us back to our conversation last week when we talked about remasters and remakes happening. So there was an interview this week. It was a Spanish interview with, and excuse my pronunciation of the name, this is not going to be right at all, but I'm going to try my best. It's Gustavo Santolala. How is that? I'm reading it and I don't think I have a better pronunciation. <laughs> so if Gustavo is out there, we apologize for butchering your name, but please forgive us. Yeah. So Gustavo here is the composer for the music of The Last of Us 1 and 2. And during this interview, he seemed to have confirmed that there is a Last of Us Part 2 remastered coming for PS5. In the interview, the interviewer spoke about how much he liked seeing the version of Gustavo in the game. And Gustavo replied saying that, oh, in the new version, you can actually come up to me and ask me to play certain songs and I can play them for you. But then he quickly stopped and said, I can't say anything else on this. So there's a strong chance that he has just confirmed that Naughty Dog and Sony are working on Last of Us Part 2 Remastered, which just kind of adds on to the whole Last of Us remaster and the whole remastered conversation we had last week. If you guys didn't tune into our first episode, you should definitely go back and check it out. It is available on all major platforms. But yeah, hopefully this is true. Hopefully it comes out at a reasonable price. But there is also a slight chance that he just slipped up and he was talking about a cameo in The Last of Us Part 3. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Our final bit of news for the week is just that we have some new games coming to PSN to the premium tier. So a little later in the month, you can expect Sniper Elite 5, It Takes Two, which is an awesome co-op game if you haven't played it, and Twisted Metal 1 and 2 all coming to the PSN store, and they will be free for anyone who is in that premium tier. Yeah, that 
that kind of rounds off most of most of our big news topics for the week. Yeah, so I, I, I think I might need to hijack some of your news segment. Was that four PlayStation news in a row? It was three. Was that just one, two, three, three? COD technically doesn't fall in that category. We we might need to have a uh, a limit on how much PlayStation news you're allowed to put out there. Hold on. Last week, we only covered Xbox. And what's the problem? We're just giving Sony <laughs> their fair slice of the cake. No, no. It's to be fair. Whatever, whatever's out there is out there at the time. Don't hate us for not having your most important games piece of news in the section. But feel free to give us a shout and ask us to put it in. And maybe we'll read it. Maybe we we will. We'll read it. Maybe we will. We're not definitely reading it. We're not. Uh, we will definitely <laughs> yeah, read it. Nothing better to do than read your emails, guys. So please, <laughs> we'll, we'll get all the details for how to contact Stuart and not Gormag at the end of the podcast. Okay. So next thing I wanted to talk about, and this doesn't fit into news because it's going to take the conversation in one direction. So I wanted to give it its own time. But it's the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition. If anyone is following this acquisition in the news you would have heard that the past week has probably been one of the biggest weeks in terms of development on the acquisition since we initially heard it so for those of you who don't know in january 2022 microsoft officially announced that it was going to acquire activision blizzard for 69 billion dollars. This became very concerning to the rest of the industry about how much dominance Microsoft was going to have and ultimately led to a lot of appeals and court cases being filed. Xbox and Microsoft and Activision Blizzard had to all defend themselves in court to how they were not going to monopolize the gaming industry. The biggest news to come is that a California judge is allowing Microsoft to close its acquisition of Activision Blizzard after five days of grueling testimony against against the FTC. This comes after the deal had already been approved by the European Union, while a bid to block the merger in the UK is currently under appeal. The FTC did log a preliminary injunction, but a federal judge has since denied that injunction, which does allow Microsoft to acquire Activision Blizzard in the US. I believe that there is a deadline of July 18th. This leaves the UK CMA block needed to get through to close the deal worldwide. Both Microsoft and Activision are considering some control of their gaming cloud business in the UK as a way to appease regulators, but they are very confident that they will be able to complete their $69 billion merger by July 18th. And some of the biggest news that came out today was that Microsoft and Sony signed a deal to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for the next 10 years. This is so significant because a few months ago when a very similar proposal was offered to Sony. Jim Ryan, Sony's CEO, rejected it and said he'd rather block the acquisition instead. This today is kind of what I see as Sony's way of accepting that Microsoft are going to go forward with the acquisition and there's nothing they can do but just guarantee that Call of Duty will remain on PlayStation for the next 10 years. Awesome. I have a question, if I can put this to you, and you may have actually answered the the question in, in some of what you said there. What was the kind of driving force behind the the block? Because I understand you said something about kind of companies and the industry were kind of resistant to this, but was there like a trigger? Because as far as from what I can see, stopping a kind of one company putting an acquisition on another company seems like it could be hard control on the market, which although Activision and Blizzard are big names, I wouldn't have considered them as having cornered 
any particular section of the gaming market. Call of Duty having first-person shooters, of course. Blizzard having their World of Warcrafts and Diablos and stuff. They're different games, but it's not like they're the only name in football, say like uh, EA's FIFA or anything like that. They're not holding one corner of the market to to ransom or anything. What kind of triggered it? I, I, a lot of this, as, as you listeners will soon find out, is I don't keep up with news very often. So some of this I'm hearing for the first time. And I'm just curious as to where this came from. Yeah, so that's a great question. And there's two main aspects that come into play here. One is that Sony were pulling out all the stops to block this acquisition because they didn't want Call of Duty to be removed from PlayStations because it's such a huge revenue stream for them. It kind of starts back in February when acquisition was kind of held up by the UK's CMA, which is the Competition and Markets Authority. And basically their main concern was cloud gaming. According to them, Microsoft accounts for up to 70% of the current cloud gaming offerings and making Call of Duty an exclusive could, quote, alter the future of gaming. They also claimed that making games exclusive to Xbox could substantially reduce the competition between Xbox and PlayStation in the UK and it could result in gamers seeing higher prices, reduced range, lower quality, and worse services in gaming consoles over time. Based on all of this, they rejected the acquisition on the first time around. And the CMA is the UK one. Are you not talking the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission? Their argument was that the transaction was anti-competitive because Microsoft might make some of its games exclusive to its own Xbox gaming console and diminish the experience of Activision games such as Call of Duty on rival services. So basically saying you're going to make it exclusive to Xbox, you're not going to give a fuck about any other platform that it's on, and as a result, gamers are going to suffer because some people who go out and buy a PlayStation 5, they can't afford an Xbox, they can't afford a PC, that's all they have. And why is it right for them to miss out on this experience only because... Microsoft want to make the purchase. Thank you. It makes a lot more sense now. But I hate that gaming and cross-platform. I would love cross-platform on all games. And we'll bring that back as a, a topic, I'm sure, one day. I hate that cross-platform and everything is such a political turf war. And there's no polite way of saying this. I don't know if this argument came up in the past. Maybe I was too young or didn't notice at the time. But no one complained when Sony only had Spider-Man for themselves, God of War for mm-hmm. themselves. Xbox had Gears of War for themselves, Halo for themselves. It was okay when there wasn't massive millions and millions worth of revenue at risk but as soon as someone's at risk of losing money all of a sudden they have a problem with intellectual property and it's not just sony that i'm hating on this is goes across the board yep. no one's complaining that nintendo has mario and only mario that that's not available on other platforms because it's not generating as much revenue but cod is a cash cow and they just don't want that to go away i hate that it's a turf war but we we'll probably come back to that another day yeah let people play games and stop being so greedy you're already making millions i don't think you're going to miss you know a couple of million by letting it happen on another console is that really going to break your back when you're making billions literally 69 billion of an acquisition you are making billions the, the lost revenue isn't going to change your company's direction let people let gamers play i say yeah a hundred percent everyone should have equal rights to access games another interesting fact about the agreement is that it is only for 10 years and it includes no other activision game it's going to cost them 69 billion but they're probably going to get that back in console sales pretty swiftly. That makes a bit of sense, it does, but it it runs a risk of having a fully controlled gaming market if they don't figure things out amongst themselves. 
And although we anticipate the deal to be wrapped up shortly, we'll be sure to bring you guys all the latest news and updates as soon as we hear them. We move on to something a little lighter, not quite as fun as the, as the podcast is going to finish off on, but our meeting to veg of the podcast, the main topic, which is, as I'm sure you're quite waiting on, Battle Royales. So I'm going to go through a couple of things to see what is a Battle Royale. I'm going to cover a lot of the history of it. And then we'll see, we'll talk to our own experiences of what we've gone through and what we find with them. For those who don't know, a Battle Royale is a game mode that's a hybrid of a survival scavenger game with a last man standing or last team standing aspect as well. So essentially you drop into a battlefield of some form with nothing or very little. You then have to search and find your equipment to get better gear, stronger, then come across enemies, fight the enemies and whoever is the last person standing wins the game it doesn't necessarily have to be a game with the most kills you can win with one kill you can lose with 25 kills it doesn't matter and then it became this kind of massive open play field to the more players the more risk the more reward from winning but usually there's some form of mechanic that forces the game to end be that a circle or a zone or gas or whatever it might be forcing players into the middle of the battlefield Otherwise, the game would just become a hide and seek. So this kind of game mode exploded around 2017, 18, but it was around a lot before that. And there's a very, I didn't know a lot of this before I jumped into it, but there's a very interesting history to it. Some developer or person by the name of Brendan Green with the username of Player Unknown, And for those familiar with Battle Royales, will probably see where this is going. He created a mod for Daisy in 2013. And again, another mod for Arma 3 in 2014, creating this kind of survival scavenger game because those games i think daisy was a zombie survival game so that's where the kind of survival battle feature came to it where that was one of the first iterations of this kind of battle royale game mode even though it wasn't on its own a standalone game it was a mod to a survival game so from there brendan became a consultant for daybreak z1 which later became known as h1z1 king of the kill which is the first battle royale i ever remember I never played it, but I remember it being a thing that everyone was playing this game. And I kind of thought, what's it all about? What is this game? From that point, other developers, you know, if I'm hearing it, as I, as you all well know, I'm not great with news. So if I'm hearing about it, it's clearly some form of trend that's coming through hard and strong. And a lot of other developers start bandwagoning with the Rise of the Tide, Lifts All Boats and everything like that. Ark released a game mode called Survival of the Fittest in 2015. And then a little after that, Brennan moved to Blue Hole and became a creative developer at this point working on possibly the best known battle royale game which would be player unknowns battlegrounds which a very interesting fact as you can see by the names that came from his username which is really interesting i always thought it was a very strange name i never really knew where it came from but that makes sense now and that's obviously more commonly known as PUBG. it's really nice that he went off and kind of had that nice little personal touch on on the game he created in a genre he dedicated so much of his life to i had no idea that the genre was driven by one individual so heavily yeah I had no idea of that, which is, I, I find that really cool because it's a legacy for him. You know, you can look back and see like, look, I drove that. I did that. I brought those into fruition and I followed that up. Fair play, you know, kudos because it's a, a game mode that a, a lot of us enjoy these days, you know? And... Do you want to hear an even more fun fact about Mr. Brendan Green? Go on. You have just Googled him two minutes ago, have you? He's Irish. He's Irish. He's Irish. How have I missed that? I'm never getting a job as a researcher, man. <laughs> I know. How right? have I missed that? I would like you're gonna fly <laughs> that flag if you can. That's amazing. Maybe that's why it became such a popularized thing around my friends and stuff like that. 
it's there's a good chance that that gaming market maybe may have been introduced in the Irish gaming scene and has grown from there. Obviously, if he's created that mod, now there's obviously the chance he could be playing with gamers from anywhere in the world, but he's originally going to have shared that mod with his immediate gaming group and it's going to have grown from there. Not to, to put a, a hold on two things and get too loud and proud, but we'll move on a little bit to after PUBG was released, that was 2017, but that was very closely followed by Fortnite Battle Royale in 2017 as well, which is possibly one of the most popular games that has ever existed in the history of existing from there every game was getting a battle royale variant call of duty had blackout in 2018 which i don't remember being that good it was very limited to the number of players because they hadn't figured out their servers and as per our conversation earlier they probably still haven't figured out their servers but they were trying and it's come a long way since then i know csgo had one as well Arguably one of the, the heaviest hitters that it was released in the, the PR franchise is Apex, released by EA in 2019. Now, I remember everyone who had a PlayStation playing it, and maybe that's giving away a bit of a, a secret that PS fans are maybe more up on trends than, than myself. And I thought, really don't need another Battle Royale game. And I got it. I'm not its biggest fan for Apex, but it's it can be a bit of fun. Not every game is for everyone. And there's different variations. And speaking of kind of different variations of Battle Royale, technically Nintendo got on the BR train as well. They had Tetris 99 on the Switch. If anyone has ever played that, I think it's ridiculously hard. And I'm not going to lie, I consider myself pretty decent at Tetris. But when you're playing and you're just getting harassed. So for, for those who don't know, I don't know if it's 12 or 30 players. There's a certain amount of players that are all playing their own game of Tetris. And as you make lines or make a Tetris, those lines are then put onto someone else's screen in a kind of a jumbled order. So you would be sending them messed up lines for them to solve and you have to try and push them off the top of the screen. That is hard, but I don't know that a lot of people have played that game. I've played it a few times and it's so tricky because you're trying to concentrate on, on playing Tetris as you normally would. And then, yeah, you'll see that you're you're paired against someone and they're starting to drop lines on you. And then they start to hit you with, I don't know, like special abilities as well. Some sort of like backwards controls or you can hit them with, with something like a freeze or something like that. It's fun. It's very hectic. It's very messy. I've gone from thinking, okay, I'm going to win. I have no lines on my screen to getting down to the final like six, seven people. And suddenly you go from like zero lines to like 20 lines and like three seconds and you're not going to ever win that. So it's nice to see them take a classic and try and put a modern spin on it. And at the time that modern spin came in the form of, of a BR. I forgot that you could target people. You could choose to target someone at random. You could choose to target the person that was sending you lines. You could choose to do weird stuff. That's fun. That is fun. And like that, as you say, it games, it's, it shows the, the whole thing of whatever the current trend is influencing the games that are released. Battle Royales were the, were the trending around this time. So Tetris released it, a BR version of a, a very classic game. It's nice to see that get a bit of a revival that isn't just a remaster. We leave that one for today. So that's a bit a bit of the history of BRs, where they came from, where they're going, all that kind of stuff. I'd like to get into kind of the current state of them. What's your current opinion, your current setup of BRs? I'm definitely a big fan of BRs. I don't think I can say that I'm not just by the amount of time I've put into them to date. Currently, I think there's not much in the form of innovation 
over the past couple of years. I think COD releasing uh, Warzone 2, which is probably the newest iteration of a BR. If you want to say BR game, it's technically a map, but we'll say a game. And ultimately, it didn't meet player expectations. And I, they're still trying to recover player numbers that were seen during Warzone 1's release. And I know Warzone 1 came out during a pandemic, so you're going to get more players on. But even as we came out of the pandemic, they still had like significantly higher number of active player base than they do right now. And that's just due to them trying to continue to innovate, but fail at the execution stage. I think in terms of what games are available in the market, it's extremely saturated and it's very difficult to find a game that suits your play style is, is I think the best way to put it. I really enjoy attacking gameplay. I don't like to sit back. There's the odd game where you like to sit back and rest and maybe take some snipes or something like that. But I, I generally enjoy hard hard and fast attack. With the games that are currently on offer, like you look at Apex, it can be very slow for you to build up decent loadouts. The way it's structured, you have to go around, you have to collect a lot of loot and it's very luck dependent. Um, you could spend majority of a day not binding anyone and then the first thing you find, you're eliminated quickly if they've managed to get epic weapons or legendary weapons. Uh, Fortnite, I find Fortnite, look at the draw, and I never personally understood the building aspect of the game. So I was always at a disadvantage there. Call of Duty, I think the smaller maps are fun. They're more fast paced. Bigger maps are boring and slow. It, like we played El Mazra multiple times and you can spend majority of the game just finding another team. You can just be following the gas until you're down to the final circle and then you see people for the first time. And that's just not fun. PUBG is the exact same problem. It's like you're working on this giant map and there's just no one else there to see to fight and you spend most of the time playing a looting game before you actually get to play a shooter yeah absolutely and i would echo a lot of those points um in terms of battle royals is the time to reward is very very difficult and that will bring me on to something else if you know if you're spending 10 minutes running around trying to find stuff you're new to the game oh my god look at this building look in here look what i've got oh that's another team we're dead starting it and that's so harsh and it's the one life thing is very very difficult and I love that Call of Duty Warzone 2 and War Warzone 1 as well actually brought out the, the kind of rebirth game mode that you can come back several times. You can try. It's a very difficult balancing act to have a game where people can drop back in without having a massive, massive advantage over someone who's already killed three of their team or whatever it might be. But to have one life, how are you supposed to learn the game? Mm -hmm. Like the learning curve is insane. You're saying that I need to be able to kill three people when I don't even know how this gun fires because I've never shot it at someone after 20 minutes of gameplay and in order for you to get another chance at shooting someone else you have to play another 10 or 15 minutes just to get an opportunity to shoot someone it's it's not very engaging and it, it's deflating you finish your game and you think what what was I doing why did I waste my time going around getting all these guns I don't know which guns are better than other guns because well I've never played the game before and now I'm, I'm dead I don't know what he was using or they were using I don't know how I died but I guess I'll just drop in again and see what happens it's not really great it's not it's really not and I remember when I was streaming, a majority of the games I streamed were BRs and it was mainly Apex and Warzone. And Apex, you always played as a team. I felt communication was a lot more open with random players. COD, not so much. I think now it's gotten significantly better. But at the time, and again, I focused a lot on, on these solo matches and trying to drop in, find a weapon and just have a bit of fun, find some people to fuck with. And it's the one genre that I mentally walk away from 
game exhausted and you got a certain tolerance to yourself whether it's three five ten games but at some stage where you're in and out of games within five or ten minutes with no progress being shown it's gonna come a time where you're like right i'm done with this i want to actually have some fun i don't want to end up hating the pastime or the hobby that I love so much. At the end of the day, that's not what a game is there to do. No. Uh, although I'm not Apex's biggest fan, I do like that everyone is on the same level in terms of equipment in a game like that. Call of Duty, again, if you're dropping in, someone has a custom loadout, full gold, Damascus, all that kind of stuff with a gun that is, with the newest card, fine-tuned down to the very millimeter of damage to range to fire rate. That can all be tuned. And you're dropping in with a stock M4. How are you supposed to win that? And I think you've you've hit a, a big thing. In solo games, I won't be I won't play a BR solo. I simply won't do it. I don't find it enjoyable. It's not something I would ever want to do. I think without a squad of at least one or two, you're gonna be out of that game and you're gonna have you're going to be burnt out pretty quickly. Whereas if you have a squad of a couple of people, you can have a laugh, you can turn around to them and say, hey, please buy me back or stay alive until I come back. If you have a random, you kind of have to hope that they're kind enough to put themselves in a bit of danger to try and get you back, which I would say 50% of the time, they don't even consider. Yeah. You know, it could be five grand to buy someone back and they've got 20 grand in there. They're still not going to the buy point because they might die. Look, you're going to be facing into final zone solo, which you're not going to win. So why are you not playing as a team? But that's the, the biggest aspect of it is without a team or without randoms that are willing to communicate and play as a team, you are at nothing. You know, how are you supposed to know? Oh, I found this gun. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. You need someone to give you a little bit of guidance, a little bit of insight as to what you should be doing. I think that's really important. Yeah. And another point I want to add is that being able to have all these different players in a lobby playing on different platforms and some people are having a clear advantage over others. And I think even nowadays, I don't think the advantage back in the day, the advantage was PC players, keyboard, mouse. You have more control over recoil. You can just point and click. But now aim assist has become so strong on controllers and consoles. They're the guys and girls with the advantage. They're the people who are being able to, you know, lock on headshots and put you down quicker than you can even see someone coming. And to have such, I want to say, an unbalanced experience, depending on which platform you're playing with, yet you're all kind of forced into these lobbies together, because although you can opt out to it, you know, you're waiting five times as long to get into a lobby if you opt out of crossplay than if you're in it and they do that intentionally to encourage crossplay that's another thing that kind of causes some problems and some frustrations I, I do think they have balanced it well and there are certain circumstances where you feel like look if someone's not able to aim as well as i am maybe that's their fault but it's not as clear cut as that and i get it it's a tough balancing act and no matter what mechanic you introduce there's going to be someone that's going to abuse that mechanic and that's the the important part i'm so sorry i just want to bring you back to the developers and what they say quote some weapons will be able to kill faster when fired more accurately oh get, no, get out of here get out of here i thought you were coming back to something useful about the balancing of aim assist or any of that stuff but no you're just being back to me like shoot people good don't shoot people bad good nice one activision thanks for that i couldn't figure that out but yeah here's the big question right so i i want to i want to put this in see if we can get a bit of a regular segment for whether we agree with a game or not or a genre or whatever we're, we're talking about that day so in our Ireland, there's a, a phrase to call something class is to call it good because it's a class act. So I want to do a class or pass. So in terms of battle royales for you, class or pass? Oh, it's tough. I want to say 
Previously it was class. Now it's I'm kinda on the fence. So I need I need an answer. This you know, this is the million dollar question. You're on tipping point, right? You've got you've got a couple of coins to push over the edge. Class or pass? I'll be going with class. What about you? Class with squad, pass without. Hard pass That's without. Fair. Won't even look at That's it. That's fair. But with with a squad, I'll give it a shot. I think they can be absolutely unbelievable. But without a squad, nah, don't even look at it. Forget about it. But with all, all of that, let us know what you think. Do you think it's a class? Do you think it's a pass? Do you have any kind of specific setups that you find make Battle Royales much more enjoyable for you? Let us know because we may not have touched off everything. Okay, so... Okay, my choice for Steam this week was Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Sega. This is a game that only came out in April last year. And if you've ever played any of the Lego series, it's going to be a sit back, relax, chill and fun time. The characters are funny. They have witty lines. I haven't played this game myself. I've heard raving reviews about it and it looks fantastic. And right now it's available for 67% off. So for our Irish listeners, that's going for 16 euro 50 cent. And for Canadian listeners, that's going for $20 on Steam. And that is available until July 20th. So get on it if you're going to. I don't think you're going to regret this one. Awesome. So I I haven't played a Lego game in a long time. And I the last one I played was on like the Nintendo DS. It was like Lego Star Wars 2 or something like that. And I remember I, I put so many hours into it. I don't know how I put so many hours into it. But I guess I've dismissed Lego games as being children's games for a while. And seeing the reviews that's coming through on that, I might pick it up. We'll see. I'll see if I can you know, skip dinner for a couple of days and get it in the budget. Yeah. For PlayStation, my choice this week, and it was tough because I'll be honest, PlayStation really didn't have too many deals that were going on that were worth speaking of. So I decided that I talk a little bit about Hogwarts Legacy for those who haven't played it. It is the Harry Potter based open world action adventure game brought by Warner Brothers. It came out earlier this year. And to be honest, I've I've played a considerable amount of this game. Shamefully, I still haven't finished it, but it's it's a lot of fun. You get to live your true wizard fantasy see and it's available right now for 20% off so for our Irish listeners that's going for 60 euro for our Canadian listeners 72 dollars so it's still quite pricey and if you're hesitant on it I would say maybe wait for a further price drop maybe let it get down to the 50 mark but if you've been really thinking about it I can tell you for sure it's worth investing in. You have at least 30 to 40 hours of main story, plus lots of cleanup and collectibles to do. But yeah, they are my sales of the week. I haven't played Hogwarts Legacy yet. I've watched some of your uh, initial playthrough when you were being a YouTuber and you were going to be famous. I watched some of that and it looks it looks really smooth. It looks quite nice. It is. It's it's quite a fun game. It's still a very new game though, isn't it? It's it's not that old, so it will come down, but it's going to take a while for it to do so. Exactly. Exactly. If you're between the two, go with Lego Star Wars and just enjoy it. So, what's happening over at Xbox and Nintendo? So, for Xbox, uh this week we have Elden Ring, uh, which is I'll just go with the prices. It's 30% off at the moment, which for Irish listeners is coming in at 48.99. And for the Canadian listeners, it's going to be $55. I actually got this game with like a family sharing through Steam to try it for an hour off a friend. And I tried it. I loved it. I have put so is the only game that I have ever started a new game plus in. I've never done a new game plus before. 
never gone through it but for those of you who don't know Elden Ring is kind of like a, a sequel to the Dark Souls but more of an open world game you can do whatever you want whenever you want there is bosses in places you won't expect to find them it is a tough game I'm not gonna lie it's not gonna be a walk in the park but it is a game that I really really enjoy so I would say if you're looking for a really really long campaign that you can come back to and run through several times and play the bosses in different ways and different classes well worth a shot but that's what's on xbox for this week we have the switch and you could say what's cooking on the switch at the moment and it is overcooked all you can eat which is 60 percent off and i'm definitely getting paid for that the price for that at the moment is 15.99 euros and it would be 18.79 in dollars for anyone who's never played overcooked before it is a very fun couch co-op game exactly as it says you're cooking you're in a kitchen making burgers soups whatever fish and chips all these kind of things on these different levels you have to run between certain sections and the levels change as they go it's just it's a laugh it's a barrel of laughs when you're trying to get the last burger out in order to do it and someone's decided 10 seconds left you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna chop a tomato like what are you doing get out of the way We've got to get these out of here. It's just, it's comedy. It's comedy gold. It's so much fun. Like in terms of couch co-ops, it's one of the best in recent memory. And as frustrating as it is, when you get the hang of it, it is so satisfying to rake in those tips. Just make sure you're looking at your orders and you're ma- you're preparing the right orders because the last thing you want is to have one shot as the timer's about to run out and someone delivers a fucking order that wasn't ordered. Pro tip for that, actually. If the timer's about to end, ignore the person whose order is about to expire and serve the newest one because you will get a bigger tip for a quicker service and obviously the other guy won't get a chance to get annoyed at not getting his because the game's ending but that's the way you can kind of push yourself over the line right at the end <laughs> never we won't spend we won't keep harping on about spending money or anything like that but we'll get into what i have found to be my most enjoyable section of the podcast which is we have a title the icebreakers but it's more fun and messing around as mentioned at the start of the podcast we're going to talk about a bit of a versus of of video game characters i'm gonna jump straight into it because there's no real way to explain it without giving away exactly what it is so i'm gonna put this to you Stuart. no context mario or spyro oh i know what answer i should be giving but i have to go with spyro because spyro is part of my childhood technically he's also part of my body now but it's one of those games that i fell in Stuart doesn't wear spyro onesies just for clarity that is a tattoo he's not going around with like a, a spyro keyring <laughs> linked through his knuckle or something like not that way they haven't seen what outfits we record the podcast in they don't know about the spyro onesie yet let's keep it a surprise let's keep it a surprise man but no i i remember like one of the original platform games that i got into he's a fun lovable character and although mario i came in very late i wasn't a nintendo kid so i came into it as i got a little bit more mature spyro just for nostalgic purposes has to be my go-to here what about you uh well if i chose spyro it would be a pretty boring podcast this is true but no (laughs) genuinely mario is a preferred character i remember one of the i got the new super mario bros on the ds again coming back to when i was younger and i played so much of that game you know in hindsight i may have actually platinum that game if there were achievements i'm not too sure i had every level every three star every coin the whole lot of it and i would have played more mario than spyro 
the only Spyro kind of intros I had were the demos that were in all the Crash Bandicoot games. Oh, yes. You could press like the certain keys and get the demo at the start of the game. It's tough because like, you know, in an apocalyptic world, who do I want to keep me safe? Like Spyro. Yes, like, me. who do I need to fix the sink? You know, not Mario because he's going to get lost down the pipes. <laughs> so, no, it's got to be Mario for me. Always has been. I actually bought the second Super Mario Maker. So Super Mario Maker 2, and I had a lot of fun with that. Did not have a lot of fun with that. I'm not that creative, so it's probably my own fault, but... Maybe, but we, we won't we won't fit them against each other too much, so... Uh... So, to put you on the spot, and this one is probably going to be... I, I think I know what the answer is to this already, but between Master Chief or Kratos? Um... It's got to be Master Chief, specifically on the fact that I haven't played a lot of God of War in my time, so... While Kratos is probably a, a better character with more depth because, you know, he speaks for the most part, whereas Master Chief for a long time didn't. And until the most recent, there was the, the Halo TV series on, I think it was Paramount. I really enjoyed that as well. But, you know, I played I played Halo 3. I done all the custom game modes like Tetris, if you ever played oh, it. Yeah. It was amazing. You could use the sandbox version of the game it was called the forge to like make levels they got like the barriers like crash barriers and stacked them up like tetris and then there was someone on the main and that was like hovering off slightly over the out of the land and there was someone on the mainland that like pushed equipment onto these launchers that tried to knock you off this kind of big tetris tower and it was just silliness so being an xbox gamer when i was a kid halo it's gotta be master chief and I'm not like we'll move on to the next question because there's no point asking you. But obviously, who's it going to be? Yeah, it's got to be Kratos. It's like he is the god of war. Yeah, but he's never been to space, has he? <laughs> well, huh? well, technically not. But he has been there through Ragnarok and he's killed Zeus. So I don't know. I think that's a bigger achievement. But no, it's I think it's 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 everything like Christopher Judge does his voice and oh, wow. you don't know who Christopher Judge is. I knew him from back when he was in Stargate. Yeah, I actually know that name. Yeah, he's like Teal'c in Stargate. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who has the thing on his his forehead, the imprint. That's him. No way. He does Kratos' voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has this deep, calm voice. But my God, it gives me goosebumps when you hear like Kratos speak. And again, I don't we got I can't keep rambling on about how good God of War games are. Just get on it, dude. That's all I'll say to you. But I yeah. need to. It's one of those things that's on. It's like a book on the library. It needs to be done. I need to get it. But uh, it's because it's like that a single player game. I don't know if I have enough time to commit to it and I don't want to walk away from it. But uh, I'll get around to it, I'm sure. But moving on, Crash or Link? And by Link, obviously, Legend of Zelda. This you've you've kind of you've kind of put me in a tough spot with both this and the Mario question because I'm conflicted by the correct answer and the nostalgic answer. It's it's got to be Crash, and again, very similar reasons to Spyro. The first game I remember playing as a kid on the PlayStation One was Crash Team Racing. I remember vividly this time when I was at home and I was sick. I think I might have had like chicken pox or something. And I played that game for a week straight and Ripperoo annoyed the fuck out of me during the game. But I got through it. And when they made the remaster, I, it instantly brought me back. And the same when they remastered the trilogy as well. I was just in my element. And again, I wasn't a Nintendo kid, so I didn't grow up loving Link. And first Zelda I played was Breath of the Wild, which is a disgrace in some sense. But yeah, I have to go with Crash and I can only hazard a guess on what you're choosing here. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, first things first. The new Crash Team Racing that came out on this, it came out on most platforms. I, I think I have it on the Switch. It's hard as balls, man. The game is so tough. That's the OG one. It's it's awesome. It's just a bit tighter, right? It's so tough, man. I was like, took it out a couple of races. I'll have a bit of fun, you know. I'll win the first couple because they're not that hard. I'm getting smashed with like nitros and TNTs. I'm like, I'm new to this game as far as they're concerned. Take it handy for a minute, will you? Well, no, it, it's a good game. To be fair, I forgot about Crash Team Racing, but for me, it, it's got to be Link. Of course, it's got to be the first Legend of Zelda game I played. Technically, was the Four Swords one on the GameCube, which isn't the highest rated game, but it's very, very different. It's different to the rest of them in a lot of senses but Crash was close to my heart as an early childhood game but I think it's kind of fizzled out a lot there's a Crash games coming out a lot there's a lot of re-releases remasters reworks and I don't think the depth of content is there they're platformers now I played one of the most recent ones which was the one where you could like flip the the thing the, the platforms you have to press the button to make the platforms come in and out oh the fourth one yes and you swap the parallel universe type thing yes 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 yes, yes, yes. 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 no I had a bit of fun playing that, I did, to be fair, but not nearly as close to Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. So when you compare in those side by side, I think it's a no brainer to me anyway. That's fair. fair. Okay, take us home. Are we going with Duke Nukem or are we going with Doom Guy? That's an odd combination now, to be fair. They're both kind of run and gun, shoot them up, aliens, no, no real repercussions. I know Doom has obviously a lot more story, I think then Duke Nukem but I grew up on the PlayStation 1 or 2 I think it was with my brother playing a lot of Duke Nukem and especially the multiplayer games now he says some wildly inappropriate things like wildly inappropriate all of the time um so that's probably not great and I kind of what came out there was the new the new Duke Nukem came out not too long ago maybe three or four years ago and I just didn't play it because I was like this is not going to be what I remember trying to play the multiplayer 1v1 all the time trying to get the power-ups Doom was fun but I think you know he doesn't speak unfortunately which kind of takes away from it a little bit but it gives him some character I guess what about you? Yeah I think it takes away a little bit when the character doesn't speak that often I unfortunately I never played Duke Nukem and I only played the most recent Dooms so I'm really not the person to talk here. But I did find a breakdown when I was kind of looking at who I should choose for this question. I found it. I can't believe you went and researched who's the best, who, who's more manly. Like- I searched two things. Why Duke Nukem was such a badass and why Doom Guy was such a badass. And the Doom Guy one brought me to this really old 4chan post where your man just listed off these points. And I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty fucking badass, to be honest. To be fair, you've not experienced, you've not played them yourself, so you get a pass on that. You get a pass. You know what? It's probably a good decision because Duke Nukem's a misogynistic asshole. So, you know. We don't support that. We do not support. We should pull the podcast. We're getting cancelled. That's it. We're done. We're done. <laughs> like that. I, I, I like the game. Gameplay. The character himself, I suppose, is a bit of a dick, but what are you going to do about it? Exactly. So that's all for this week. So thanks to everyone for not giving up after the first episode. We're definitely still finding our feet. And for those who reached out or let us know about the pilot episode, you are the real heroes because as much as I want to, I can't listen to my own voice back. So thank you very much for any feedback. I really appreciate it. We will be releasing our next episode on most likely the 27th of July. And if you do want to get in contact with us between now and then, you can find us directly on Twitter at ConsoleCronPod. Instagram, Console Chronicles Podcast, or you can contact us directly by email at info at consolechronicles.net. So without further ado, it's bye for me. And it's bye for me. And we'll catch you folks next time. <laughs>